of the very best operators. Marked up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Alrighty, folks. Episode number 25. That's is it that right? 25. 25 of Parked Up, powered by Race Fuels. Mm. I'm Tony Delberto, but with me, I have Grant Rowley. How are you, brother? Excellent, thank you. Thank you very much. No problem. We are in Melbourne and it still sucks. Who cares about what's going on around us? There was so much race on the weekend. We've got so much to talk about today. We've got some fantastic guests as well. We certainly do. Let's get stuck in, mate. Let's go. So today's guest, we're going to have Lee Holdsworth from Tickford Racing and Scott Pye from Team 18. Uh, Some big, big, big news to talk about as well in TCR land with Dylan O'Keefe just being announced he's going to race in world TCR. I mean, we'd just love to have any TCR happening (laughs) locally, but uh, he's going to go get to compete at the highest, highest level. So that's going to be awesome. We're going to try and grab him. We also threw out a couple of questions to our fans on the Facebooks over the last week or so talking about motorsport heroes. Everyone has a motorsport hero. We got a great response on Facebook. Tony, before we get into our guests, before we get into our news on another great episode of Parked Up, powered by Racefields, who was your motorsport hero? This is an easy one, Grant. Peter Brock, mate. Oh, Brocky the king. A Holden family originally, and it sounds a little bit strange now because I'm you know, racing for one of the biggest Ford teams in the country, but when I was a kid, Peter Brock was my absolute hero. I only got to meet him a few times, really. He probably wouldn't know who I was. But I did get to meet him at my dad's work one day. Mm, And I think I mentioned it before. He Mm. came in to get his car fixed. And he spent a little bit of time with with me. And I always remember he'd always make you feel special, uh, which was a really good quality that he had. But, you know, his results on the track and the way he used to dominate races, he was the king. So that uh, making fe- people feel special thing didn't rub off on you? No, no, <laughs> it didn't, unfortunately. Um, you know me, I like to talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, wa- he was the king. And uh, maybe that is why we get along so well, opposites attract, because my uh, motorsport hero was Dick Johnson. Yes. Um, Ford family, and uh, I guess while I was young, Dad had pictures of Green's Tough falcons and true blue falcons up on the wall and and ford sierras when i started to understand what uh, motorsport was about and uh being in the the ford house dick johnson was the hero and eventually i sort of expanded my horizons uh, a little bit and uh, you know started <laughs> to like the uh the glenn seatons and the john bowles and 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 those types but tricky dicky definitely was the uh, my first motorsport crush if you want to put it like that there you go so uh, i think i actually had uh mum and dad would tell you that they had a they had to take down a picture of dick's uh green's tough falcon off my bedroom wall when i was uh three or four because i was having nightmares about it crashing into trees at (laughs) at bathurst so uh it's something that i don't remember i was only like three or four yeah. Um, but look, I love that man that much that I was having uh, nightmares about him. Jeez. Generally, you dream about the girl that you love. Yeah, well, I was three, though. It still doesn't matter, mate. You're dreaming about a bloke. That's that's weird. 
That's prob- weird. It probably was weird. It set me <laughs> on this uh, weird path that I've uh, found myself in now. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, everyone has a, uh, everyone has a motorsport hero and, and we had a, a fantastic response from our Facebook followers. Lots and lots of, uh, lots and lots of different ones. Rowan Gould says, Lounsey, Lounsey. He writes that I've followed him since he was a kid and he was always very personable at events, test days and meetings. Spencer McFeet also said, Craig Lowndes, He'll always be my hero, friendliest guy in pit lane, and an absolute god behind the wheel. No, he certainly was, no doubt about it. Still is. Jackie Carroll said John Bauer, a genuine nice guy who loves his fans and is a damn good racer too. Yeah. Totally agree. Lisa Jade also said JB and Dickie Johnson. There you go. There you go. The dynamic little duo that they raced together for such a long time, didn't they, JB? And, and Dick, it was like a partnership that you thought would, would never yeah, be yeah. broken. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Matty Giles, easiest question to answer, the mighty Dick Johnson. What he did and achieved is still amazing. Started with nothing, but his passion to go racing was huge. Never had massive budgets until now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but took it to the big teams. Most important of all, a rip of loke. Yeah, tricky dicky. Definitely, definitely a ripper bloke. I don't know about the uh, never had big racing budgets back in that those Shell Sierra days. It surely would have been certainly for a period. It would have been the biggest budget. Not until Nissan came in uh, really, really strong with the GTR, and then they had some they had some Winfield backing as well for a year. They would have had surely Gibsons at the time mm. would have had the biggest budget. But in those couple of years before that. Dick's team would have had the biggest budget and did the most with it as well. Crushed them. They mm. won two touring car championships. They won a Bathurst in that period. Anyway, we're not talking about results. We're talking about heroes. And Matt Giles, I completely agree. He was uh, he was my hero as well. Um, we had a couple of uh, oddball uh, heroes. Um, and I shouldn't say that this guy is an oddball. Michael Schumacher, an absolute hero. But uh, that's who Maurice Frosler had mentioned. Louis Forster has said that I always loved Emmanuel Pellet Piro and Joachim Winkelhot in the Schnitzer BMW M3s. Crikey. So that's uh, that's kind of really cool. There you go. That's completely different. Um, now we had uh, we had a ton more. We won't go through them all, but uh, I really like this one from Nathan Dawson. Uh, Larry Perkins, the epitome of the Aussie underdog, punched above his weight to get to F1 and win Bathurst, building a strong engineering business. That's a great answer. That, for me, wins a race fuels hat. And I'm also going to give a hat to Brendan Baker here. He says that Scotty McLaughlin is his motorsport hero because of his success, and he hopes that Tony and Fabian or Scott and Tim win Bathurst. And, of course, he ended his Facebook post with, I love listening to your podcast and I love race fuels. How can we not give him a hat? Got to Give, give him a hat. We're going to give him a hat. Thank Brendan, you, Brendan. Get a hat. Brendan and Nathan uh, will get in touch and get your details. Talking about race fuels, it's the only way to get your fuel at the track, but don't let us tell you, let this little advert tell you. Racing cars need racing fuel, and race fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting. Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters. It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bend, and it's available in drums at Winton. Imported direct from France, Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower. For more details, 
head to racefuels.com.au. And of course, we thank our friends at Race Fuels. Now, before we get into the news, Tony D, which is powered by motorsportwebsites.com.au, the last round of the TCR Australia Sim Racing Series was held, and you almost got a victory <laughs> on the streets of Macau, but tell the, us what happened. No, well, the very last race of the championship, all the guns, you know, had just sort of crashed or I'd gotten around them somehow. I, I was actually having a really good round, legitimately got into the lead, and I had one lap to go, massive lead, and my internet died again, Grant. <laughs> again, I had one of these moments where I was watching the gap to the car behind me and I was just sort of maintaining it, cruising around. It was pretty easy to crash there. And then suddenly I'm going, well, where is everyone again? Like I'm driving around, like nothing's changed in my world. But then I look up the top of my screen and it's got server disconnected. Ooh. I was so angry, Grant, because I felt like I'd finally turned the corner a little bit in this uh, sim racing. I was quite competitive, got into the lead with a with a pretty decent move down the inside. They're yeah, just... you just mentioned turning corners and you made the big bold move down yeah. the hairpin. Uh, the, the very famous hairpin at Macau, which you need to take a huge wide berth to do. And, and uh, you did legitimately get it stuck down there. And uh, oh, I made a bit of contact. It was a little bit of contact, but there's going to be contact around that place anyway. Yeah. Do you know what, though? When I was stuck behind trying to get around, when I was in second position there, I think it was... Uh, Rowan Shepherd. Rowan Shepherd, yeah. All I could think about was our parked up podcast and celebrating the win. <laughs> That's all I was thinking about the whole time. I had to tell myself to, uh, you know, concentrate and actually get the job done. But then when I got in the lead, I thought Grant's going to be so proud of me. He's going to be so proud. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a little tear in my eye and I was thinking, oh, look, this will be great social content. I yes. can pull out the pull out the little bit and put it up on our Facebook to show everyone or remind everyone that... Tony took the lead and took a win and then it was all gone. Anyway. It, it really summed up our lockdown sim racing experience though. We, absolutely. We, we rode some highs and lows during this period and we ended on we ended on the same place that we started. Uh, but you know what? I, don't, I didn't actually get as upset this time. I was a bit annoyed, but I just thought this is just sim racing. This is what you got to put up with. Sometimes you just lose connection. So... I'm hoping when I do the Bathurst 1000 in a few weeks, I don't get any internet problems. And <laughs> if we're winning the race, I, I don't encounter those dramas. But hey, there was a heap of racing on the weekend, so let's get stuck into the news. And the news is brought to you by our friends at motorsportwebsites.com.au. They offer full branding services, including website and logo design, and you can check them out at motorsportwebsites.com. .com.au. Tony, we've seen the new parked up we website. Have. It looks good. It does. It's ready to go. It's almost ready to go. We're going to hit the button on it real, real soon. You might even see it before this uh, episode pops up. So I uh, uh, can't wait to show that to you. And just to uh, put all of our parked up uh, podcasts just in one nice, neat place. I even wrote some nice words about you as well. Yeah, the bio was very creative. I liked it. It wasn't just your normal bio. No. It actually had a bit of character to it. I like it. Well done. Cool. Another Townsville meeting run and won the end of a four straight supercar weekends. It's, uh, it was insane the amount of mm. racing that we've watched over the past month. 
which has been fantastic awesome. when there's not much to do in in our worlds down here in Melbourne. Uh, but a win for Scotty Mack on Saturday, followed by two wins for Shane Van Gisbergen on Sunday. Kind of turned around a bit of a dry spell mm. for Van Gis, which was which was good to see. Uh, good to see Red Bull just coming up at no, the right time not. of year. Sorry. No. Uh, you know I'm the fence sitter. We know you're horrifically biased. Yes. We saw Todd Hazelwood score his very first pole position. We saw Nick Perkett also get a pole. They actually locked out the front row of the grid as well. So a little bit of uh, variety in results. We saw a awesome race three, the last race of this uh, month-long swing. A little bit of controversy as well. The top two teams are starting <laughs> to go at it. What do you think? Uh, I thought it was fantastic racing, and I do echo what you were saying about Todd Hazelwood and Nick Perkett and the whole crew at BJR. That's awesome. They're punching way above their weight. And the, you know what? I reckon this year with the control damper, it might even highlight to them that that's what they were missing in that little uh, in in the chink in their chain, so to speak. So they're uh, they're going really well, and they're doing it week in week out. So excellent job, guys. The battle between Triple Eight Red Bull and uh, Shell V Power there, in particular Scotty McLaughlin in that last race, uh, we saw Shane dive down the inside of Scotty, got the move done cleanly, but then you know hung Scott out to dry a little bit, and allowed Jamie to come through and take second place off Scott as well. Now there has been a lot of controversy around it and people chatting about it, you know. As you've just mentioned, I'm totally biased, yep. Shell V Power. But I didn't think there was a huge amount in it. I, I, obviously, it's it's clear what Shane's done. He's held him out to let Jamie through. But is it really that bad? You know, it, it's just racing. And I think every driver has done that, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. Or they, you know, they're prop mid-corner when they make a pass so the other driver can't come back and, and have a go at him. So Shane's very, very clever. You know, to think of that as he's making the dive uh, to let Jamie through so they get a one-two and take points off the championship is is a clever move, but it does showcase, I suppose, or highlight where the teams are at. It's getting to the business end of the year, mm-hmm. as we've spoken about. We're, we're not far away from the end of the championship, and even though we did four weekends in a row, the points scenario didn't change a huge amount. We went up and down, and Jamie had a strong weekend, then Scott had a strong weekend, but we've come out of the weekend. There's still just under 150 points between Jamie and Scott. Yeah, it's about and, a half a race weekend. Yeah, and it's basically a two-horse race, though, to be honest. No, everyone else is miles behind. Yeah, can't wait for it now. Like, it's just getting mm. just that friction. Getting juicy. Yeah, that friction is starting to come right at the right time. And I don't think it's going to be a matter of who's going to win the most races. It's who's going to have the bad results and mm. how many of those bad results can be minimised to ensure that they that they get up there. Typically, Jamie and Scott don't have really, really bad results. You know, we saw Scott have trouble in qualifying um, with Gary Jacobson there. There was a, a bit of a coming together in the last corner. Didn't qualify so well, still was able to re- recover. Yeah, the cream always rises. Yeah. And so, you know, and same with Jamie, you know, if he doesn't have a stellar race, he'll still finish fourth or fifth or something like that and gather a heap of points. So we're going to tail and bend in a couple of weeks, uh, a track that actually is quite strong for both drivers. Both drivers had quite a bit of success there. Scott more recently, but, you know, we're going to see this ding-dong battle all the way up to Bathurst, and then it's going to be all eyes on the co-driver 
Jamie's got Craig, which, you know, we all know how good Craig is. And uh, Scotty has Tim Slater, who's just come off full-time driving. So they've both put themselves in a really good spot there. But there's a fair bit of pressure on those boys, especially with no other driving, no racing all year. Mm. Yeah, it is. We've spoken about it for the last few months, a bit just about yourself not having any time in the car. We're now getting really close Mm. to that happening. What are you feeling about the fact that, you know, you haven't actually Mm. driven one of those cars since February? You haven't driven a race car. Was TCR Winton test the last time no, you were in a car? that was actually before the test day at uh, Tail and Bend. So, yeah, Tail and Bend just prior to, the, to Adelaide. I, I, I did a couple of laps in the DJR car and, and that's it. So, besides the sim racing, of course. Oh, yes, <laughs> that'll keep you sharp if, if it's, it's all working. Look, I actually feel pretty good, you know, considering um, I haven't done any mileage. I'm fit and healthy. I've got a really good mindset going into the race. Everyone's in the same boat. So I feel as though I'm in a reasonable spot. I've spent you know years with the team already. Same driver pairing, which we've spoken about. So I think we're in a good position, even when you consider that we haven't driven, but some of the other pairings have never driven together, never driven the car. They're going to have no testing leading in. So we're, we're, we're going okay. Yep, it's getting to that tasty, tasty bit of the season where where we've only got three events of the year to go. Everything's starting to heat up and, of course, all coming down to the Bathurst 1000 in mid-October, which we just can't wait for. There was, of course, a Formula One race on the weekend and this race was certainly like no other that we've had this year, an amazing race where uh, some topsy-turvy results were thrown up and the Alpha Tori of uh, Pierre Gasly took a dramatic win over Carlos Saints, while the World Championship leader Lewis Hamilton didn't quite have the race uh, he was he was hoping for. A 90th Formula One win went went begging after a uh, a safety car error where where he pitted, and it was it was all a little weird for Lewis. Yeah, I mean it was a funny sort of scenario there where they closed pit lane because of uh, there was a car on the side of the circuit that was really close to the pit lane entry and uh, Lewis got called in. There's actually a red light just on the entry to pit lane. So the sort of the corner just before and Lewis has missed it. Um, and on the radio he said, well, you know, I didn't see the light in pit lane, but they don't actually have a light in pit lane because you think about it, if there's a red light in pit lane, you're already in the lane, you can't back out of it. So they have it prior to the actual pit lane entry. Uh, he missed it, unfortunately. He was only going on what the team had told him, and that sort of ruined his day. But he was in a really commanding spot. He was you know, going to win that race, no doubt. Um, Bottas, though, oh, man, he had a terrible start. Terrible. He, he was just under fire. It's like he had a problem with the car. He, he, I think he went back to sixth or seventh or something in the first lap. But isn't it interesting, though, like you put the car back in – fifth, sixth, seventh position in, the, in I suppose, the temperature behind all the other cars, and suddenly it, it just looks like one of the other cars. You know, it doesn't look as strong, anywhere near as strong. So um, I suppose that's how they engineer their cars, to, to be out in the front in clear air, and when they're not, uh, it takes away a lot of their advantage. But a ripper race, I need to re-watch it. I only watched the highlights this morning, so I need to uh, check it out, see what, uh, see what went down entirely. Yeah, well worth a watch back. For sure, definitely the best F1 race that we've seen so far this year. Uh, lots of passing, lots of, uh, a couple of big accidents, 
but we're just way better than the processional pedestrian F1 stuff that we've seen so far in 2020. This weekend, our attention turns to some touring car racing, but it's not the supercar style touring car racing. We actually get a week off that. Uh, we are going to have all eyes focused on the world TCR because Dylan O'Keefe, our Australian representative who typically drives for GRM in the TCR Australia series, will become the first Australian to compete in World TCR. He will drive a Renault Megane at Circuit Zolder against the best TCR drivers in the world. This, Tony, is massive news. Uh, TCR only came to Australia last year as a domestic series. Now we've got an Aussie competing uh, in a one-off scenario uh, over there against the best. How jelly are you <laughs> that he's going over there to do this? I am, but I, I just reckon it's such a good idea. Like, good on him for, you know, getting out of the country while there's no racing on. Uh, he's a young guy that is trying to further his career, looking for opportunity. And if you're not spending, you know, your sponsorship dollars here in Australia, then why not try and open up a door into something that he's trying to achieve down the track anyway? This is the perfect opportunity. So I reckon it's it's a very good idea. If you don't have... The commitments back here in Australia and you can spend the time over there, then go for it. And we really do wish him all the best for this weekend. I'll be tuned in, Grant. Yeah, for sure. Can't wait to see how Dylan's going to go. And it's definitely not going to be an easy challenge for him. Of course, we've seen some of the world TCR drivers come here to Australia to compete in one-off scenarios uh, in last year's TCR Australia Series, and they were damn, damn competitive. We had J.K. Vinay at Queensland Raceway, and, and while he was here, he was uh, untouchable in the Audi. And, we, of course, we had uh, Nestor come, and he was teammate for yourself at Sandown, and he was uh, even more untouchable. He practised fastest in, in both sessions. He qualified fastest and won all three races. So Nestor showed that those who have been doing... TCR racing for a number of years have been doing it at an extremely high level and the competition is absolutely first class. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Nestor, uh, he's only ever driven a front-wheel drive race car his whole life. So he's just so in tune with it. He knew what was really impressive was he brought some engineers over, but he knew what he wanted from the car and what he needed to change in the car. So uh, that was that was uh, exceptional. But you know, if the whole category though is full of Nestor GL armies. Uh, Dylan is going to have a, a fairly tough weekend. You know, like I think if he can be midfield, that's going to be a ripping result for him. New circuit. He's not that familiar with the Renault just yet. I'm not even too sure how the Renault sits, you know, in speed-wise compared to some of the other manufacturers. Um, and then to have all these seasoned campaigners around him, it's going to be tough. Well, instead of us two just making it up, Tony, let's talk to the man himself. Let's get Dylan O'Keefe on the line and talk to him ahead of his world TCR debut. And we've got Dylan O'Keefe on the line from Switzerland. Are you in Switzerland at the moment? Yeah, Switzerland still. That's where the team's based, yep. There you go. Getting ready for your world touring car <laughs> debut in WTCR. Mate, what's the uh, what's the feeling like? Uh, yeah, the feelings are pretty surreal. Obviously, I've known about this for a little while before I, uh, the reason I come over here. But, um, yeah, now that it's the actual race week and all that kind of stuff, it, uh, it starts to feel real. And, you know, it's uh, a big task ahead of us, that's for sure. So, 
really looking forward to the challenge. And I think, you know, with all the hard work we've been doing behind the scenes and a few other things, I hope we can, uh, yeah, really, um, you know, have a good crack because it's been a lot of hard work from, uh, especially Malenko from the team, um, to get this up to, um, to come to fruition. And yeah, it's definitely been difficult. So to actually now, you know, come off a relaxing weekend and know that, yeah, we're racing this weekend, uh, extremely exciting for all of us. Tony will be interested to ask you about what that feeling's like. I think he might have forgotten about what racing, what, what uh, heading into a race week feels like. Uh, you got to test the new Renault Megane at the Salzburg ring in Austria just uh, just recently. How did that test go? Uh, the test uh, wasn't too bad, you know. It was tricky because it wasn't like an open pit lane day. It was in sessions and... In those sessions, there was road cars and, you know, the story, it wasn't the most ideal test day, but I managed to get a feel for the car and um, try some of the upgrades we've been working on over the off-season. So I think the car is a much better package than what it was last season. So hopefully it means we're, you know, a little bit more consistent and more uh, reliable package and, you know, with that said, more consistently faster and uh, battling for wins, especially over here and even more so back in uh, TCR Australia. Dylan, going into the race weekend, what are your expectations? I mean, you're up against the best in the business and we we saw some big names come out to Australia and and do really well. Um, The whole field's going to be full of those guys. Uh, What are your expectations Mm. going to the race, mate? Yeah, I'm a bit apprehensive. I mean, uh, obviously we saw those big name guys come out last year and they were definitely very quick and they've obviously got a lot of car knowledge and you know in Australia we have some of the best drivers as well so I think uh, that from that side it's okay it's just the car knowledge side they really um, excel in so hopefully you know we've got um, an open uh, test day this this Thursday like the official test so I think we should get plenty of track time to try and get the car you know handling pretty well and then we'll be able to see where we stack up and you know I was talking to someone the other day and they said you know, there's 12 factory drivers. If you finish P13, it's actually still very good. And it's mm. like, well, it actually, it doesn't sound good, but it still is. So, you know, we're going to have our work cut out for us. There's no doubt. It's going to be uh, probably the most competitive field I've ever raced in ever. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, trying not to think about those guys too much because yes, they are the best uh, touring car drivers going around. But at the end of the day, I'm here to do as best I can and worry about myself. So, mm. um, yeah, I hope I can, you know, have a, some good battles with these guys and yeah, it should hopefully, um, do the team a world of good and hopefully, um, my career too. Now you've been over there for a month now. Is that about right? Even longer? Uh, what have you been doing? Yeah, over- I think over a month. It's gone really quickly, but, um, more recently, like especially the last couple of weeks, um, uh, Malenko has been working me hard. So I had to, I worked full time for the guys back at home in GRM. I said, this guy's working me like three times as hard, honestly. Like, I've um, had my work cut out for me. So, um, especially this weekend was nice just to lay low because we've um, been putting in some big hours to get everything going. And, you know, we're only a small crew here. So, anything I can do is helpful. So, to be honest, I've just been like a, one of their employees just getting stuff done. And, you know, now it's exciting because we get to the fun stuff. We can finally do what I've been waiting for is driving. So, um, yeah, sort of, you know, had to earn the drive with the, you know, I think during the week I had to, cl- uh, I stripped about 40 rims and cleaned them all because we've got a new tire supplier with Goodyear 
I was just thinking like, oh, I could think of much better things to be doing than this, but I'm just like trying to stay positive that I'm racing next week. (laughs) So nice to talk to Dylan and I hope he's enjoying his freedom over there, over in uh, the glorious European countries because uh, back Mm. here in his home of Melbourne, she's, uh, she's not all that good. We can't wait to see him out on the track. Yeah, looking forward to watching, but uh, we've got some really cool guests for today's show. Some supercars guests. Yeah, I mean, we generally get at least one, but today we've got two. Yep, why not? First up, let's go. We've got uh, we've got two, so we've got Scott Pye and we've got Lee Holdsworth. Which one? Flip a coin. Who do you want to do first? I reckon let's go Scotty Pye. Excellent. Scotty Pye, Team 18, a few podiums and bits and pieces from mm. Darwin. It's going good. Let's see what it's about and give him a call. And it's great to welcome Scott Pye onto the Parked Up podcast. Scott, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. Great to great to hear from you. So you're back in the Gold Coast at the moment after four straight weeks of supercars racing, never done before. How's the body? Yeah, body's good. I mean, the, the races are short, but mate, it's... Um... From a driver's point of view, this is um, perfect. I mean, we're just racing back-to-back um, for the last month. And, um, you know, as a driver, there's always little things you want to work on. And usually you've got to wait three or four weeks to put it in practice. So to be able to go straight back out and, and at the same track as well and put it into motion is um, is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we saw over the last few events as well, we got some fans back, which was good. But, yeah, the racing was epic. And uh, now we get a sort of – it's probably a 10-day period where we get to – I guess recharge the batteries and then uh, like go an again at, at the bench. It is, yeah. It, it's crazy. It feels like a really big break, but really, it's only until next Thursday and we're we're back at the track. It's actually quite short, but I guess in the the way it's been going, it feels like you know a big stop at the moment. A really good run through that period, particularly that second weekend in Darwin. Not quite able to replicate those results in Townsville, but uh, look, it's yeah. been well documented that the quality speed in Townsville, not quite there, but geez, you could pass some cars. Yeah. It's, oh man, it's so frustrating. I mean, we get, you know, we come out of Darwin. I mean, the second weekend, what really helped us there, um, back up podiums was qualifying. We qualified third and eighth on the Sunday there and got two podiums out of that. And even the eighth, I think showed our, our true speed, um, meant that we were able to snag another podium, even though we were probably in a position where normally you wouldn't get a podium, even though it's eighth, it's, um, you know, not too bad, but it's, it's, not expected from that position to get what we did. And then, you know, to go to Townsville, we're extremely confident that we could back it up. Obviously a different circuit, but, you know, the race pace never never changed. But qualifying kind of knocked us for six. We we were, you know, all, all weekend, first and second weekend in, in Townsville, our focus was qualifying, trying to improve that. And everything we did just didn't really seem to make a difference. The lap time stayed the same. Uh, but... If anything, I mean, we, we made some small changes with the race car and that got better, but we just couldn't make inroads on qualifying. And, and you know, that's something we have recognised, obviously. We know every time we mention our results, qualifying is the second word that gets mentioned. So yeah, it's definitely at the forefront forefront of our attention. But, um, you know, the race pace is, is pulling us through. We've had, I'm not sure how many, but we've had a lot of top 10s in a row now with, with multiple top fives in there as well. I mean, fifth from 17th on the weekend um was awesome so i mean if we can qualify well again there it is again but if we can then we're really on for a good result now my confidence in in the races is is really high i mean the car's amazing to drive overtaking ability is crazy in the thing can pretty much pull the trigger from three or four tenths back on someone 
Yeah, it looks like from a driver's point of view, uh, being the uh, aggressor or the attacker in the race is a really good feeling. You know, you feel almost invincible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think on your social media you said 50 passes uh, over the last four events. I mean, that's massive. But well, I think it's actually it's up. It's closer to 80 or something passes or 90 passes, but it's actually 50 positions. So that was the cool thing for me at the end of it was from where we started to where we finished in each race was 50 places we made up. And obviously with the way strategies and all, and all those things, some of the cars we had to pass twice because you come out behind them and then you got a tire advantage. So, you know, they're, they're obviously aided passes. They're not quite the same. But um, for us, I mean, the first stint was what kind of shocked us a little bit at, when we first got to Townsville on the same tire. Um, we were able to pass sort of seven or eight cars in the opening stint. So, yeah, I mean, the boys are giving me a car. It's a jet. Um, you know, we've got a little bit to work on, but for sure the race pace is really strong. And yeah, to move up that many places is good. It just keeps highlighting that, <laughs> you know, one problem we got. It looks super racy in, in race trim. Are you changing the setup quite a bit from your qualifying setup to your race pace or race setup? And what are you looking for in quality? Well, I mean, we do have, we've got a race car that we, we lock in. I mean, that was the coolest thing from SMP2 that we started to, you know, hit on a few things. And, we finished up fifth there in the last race, and I think that even with the – it was kind of clouded because of all the tyre strategy and mm. stuff that Supercars had going at the time with, with those plans. But for us, we really came out of there feeling like we had found some things, and we, we've kept those in the car and then added others throughout Darwin 1 and 2 that has made the race car certainly stronger. We we do have a different car for qualifying, but we have also tried the race car in quality trim because, I mean, mm. we can't deny how quick it is in the race. So we had to have a go at some point across Townsville, but – even the race car, I mean, it did the same sort of time as we do on a quali car. Um, so, you know, there's just things where we, we need to we need to sort of start again, I guess, with the quali car. But the cool thing is we're able to do that without affecting the race car because we do have such a definite setup there. Uh, but for qualifying, for me, the biggest thing at Darwin, at Townsville was braking stability. I mm. think um, a lot of drivers were talking about it. We saw a lot of rear lock in the shootout. I watched that. Um, so it's not uncommon, but... Uh, the problem is if you – for me, I'm struggling late in the braking zone, just a little bit of rear lock and then not able to clear the brake. So you end up overslowing the middle of the corner. And when it's only two-tenths of a second around the lap, it disappears pretty quickly. But in the, in the race, though, that's where you look super strong under brakes. You're able to bomb people from quite a long way back and actually make the pass. You look so confident to be able to do that, uh, which suggests that you do have you know a really good car uh, under brakes. So – um, maybe the you know the setup tweaks that you make aren't quite suiting that quality style of really attack under brakes and make the most out of that tire. Yeah, I mean in qualifying, obviously you attack a lot more and you put a lot more mm. pitch in the car, which in- it brings in some instability in the rear. But even in the race, like you said, we're pulling off some moves where I am hard on the brake and the instability doesn't come in. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little unknown and somewhat frustrating mm. because. It's just not translating into, you know, what I'm looking for in quality, and it's only such a small amount that we need, you know, to really find five or ten places and change our, our day completely. But, um, yeah, the braking, I think, is the biggest thing. But the way that I can position the car on the exit of corners as well is really looking after the rear tyre. And I think that you'll notice I don't really pass many people for four or five laps, and then I start to attack, and the car gets you know comes to me because... I think we really are quite kind on the rear tyre out of the corner, which means that our braking stability is then inherently better than others because rear tyre temp's a lot lower. The the team has had a, a quite a strong start to the to the year. First time that, that Team 18 has been a two-car team, but uh, Frosty 
your, your teammate in the in the Irwin car had a, a pretty strong, consistent start to the year. And just in these last two or three meetings, I guess you've it looks like you've kind of got uh, got on top of him, or you got you know really really close. Certainly in Darwin, you there, there wasn't really much between you, but uh, in Townsville. On both occasions, your car was the, uh, the typically the the best of the team eighteen runners. What's the uh, what's the the vibe like within the team? How competitive is it getting? Because I guess both of you can see the potential that that team eighteen has. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the coolest thing is the guys have been on the road for a long time, out of Melbourne, away from home, and family. Yet the atmosphere within the group's really good. I mean the you know, just even our, our pit stops. I can't, I keep mentioning how much the guys have improved there. That's something that they've put a lot of focus on and, and um, you know, their motivation to improve internally is just so high. And, and I think that that says a lot, just given how long we've been away from home, it would be easy to be kind of backing off now, be tired and, and um, not putting in the work, but it's quite the opposite. Everyone's really motivated. I think getting a couple of trophies in Darwin was just what we all needed. Um, and now we've got that race pace as well that regardless of where we are starting, there's a real um, positive feeling about the races. Um, yeah, I mean, Frosty and I are working pretty closely together and, and I guess for us, yeah, in the last few events, we've really unlocked my race car and, um, yeah, it, it's going really well on, on 20 side. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, in terms of the atmosphere in the garage, it hasn't really had an effect on that. It's really just probably um, – given everyone a, a lot of motivation and, and knowing now that Frosty can then look into my car and see what it is that we've found that's helping us and see if they can dial that into his car. So a new relationship this year with Team 18, um, but you've got an existing relationship with Phil Keed, who's uh, engineering your car, yeah. and you've got that relationship from DJR's Team Penske. You guys didn't work that closely there, but... I suppose within the same group, so you know each other fairly well. Has that helped the transition? I mean, this is a, a new style of uh, car to you, a triple eight car. Um, has yeah. that sort of helped, you know, make that learning process a little bit quicker? I think it has. I mean, I, I knew Phil, um, like you said, but not also like you said, not that well. I mean, we worked sort of side by side um, and against each other, but mm. um, my relationship now with Phil is obviously extremely different and, you know, there was a for me it was a turning point in Darwin. We shared an apartment together, and um, you really start to get to know each other's personalities. And and feels very much like myself. Like you know, Tony, I'm pretty um, passionate. I'm heated. I'm I'm like a dog with a bone when I have a point to prove. You know, and 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 for me, I never would never uh, want someone to take anything I say personally and Phil is very much the same, but we will be quite aggressive in getting across what we want and <laughs> spending the, the two weeks together, I think was awesome because I mean, we had some big clashes, but it was always uh, with the right intention. And I've learned that Phil is very similar to myself. We can have those clashes. No grudges are yeah. held. It's uh, all for the benefit of the team and the performance of the car. Um, and yes, our relationship right now, it's, it's the best I've ever had with an engineer. He, uh, we're, we're like a, dysfunctional odd couple but it just works somehow like we are i don't know he's he's very uh, theoretical unpractical but it just somehow seems to work and um yeah i trust him trust him massively at the moment and, and i just want to keep encouraging him as well to really back himself because mm. i'm a big believer in uh you know if, if we trust our instincts and always back ourselves we're going to get it right more often than not otherwise we wouldn't be where we are today now you got the hard charger award the boost mobile hard charger award on the weekend five grand and I was annoyed I didn't get the second one though. Yeah. I'm like, hey, 
10 uh, past grand. 12 cars. I mean, I'd, unfortunately, though, the way the broadcast is, I think they just obviously Shane got the win. And yeah, but you're. I was annoyed. And then he pulled the pin and didn't even come out last night. So I couldn't, he couldn't even <laughs> buy me a beer with his money. Tight ass. <laughs> I mean, you did the, the right thing there and donated to your charity um, yep. and also to the team as well. I thought that was really, really great, especially with the boys being away from family so much uh, for so long now. And they've still got you know, quite a way to go. So just to give them a little bit of enjoyment. Yeah, I mean, those things for me, yeah, exactly right. And then for me, like, it was awesome to get. But for me, the biggest thrill is actually just the passing and getting that, Mm. you know, getting the the award itself or whatever. But, um, you know, Fulfill the Magic, my charity is of choices. uh, You know, they've had a hard time, like a lot of businesses and charities not being able to have fundraisers or events, things like that. So it's only small, but it's um, something that I can give back to them and also for the crew. Uh, that result that I got was as much due to their work they've put in, you know, since we've been on the road as it was, you know, me driving the car. So, um, yeah, I was happy not to take anything of that. I got the enjoyment of driving the race car. And, and for them, it was just, you know, just a thank you, really. Like, they gave me a weapon. They nailed the pit stops. Um, and, yeah, they're away from, you know, for buzzing my beer and everyone can have, have a good laugh at the end of the day. Then, um yeah, awesome. It's kind of like a little bonus for them at the end of the day, and they earned it. So speaking of uh, businesses and, and some of the tough times that we've had, you, of course, run your own uh, media business, media uh, content yep. creation. How has COVID affected what what you and your guys have, have been doing there? Has Have there been many, many handbrakes? Um, how's it all going? Yeah, it's actually been going really well. We, um, I mean, for us, we're lucky that we can um, still service a lot of our clients from from home, effectively. So I got Benny who works for me; he's working from home full time. And when when this happened and I hit the road, he packed everything up—the computers and hard drives and things—and took it all home and and started working from home. Then we managed to get in a few shoots uh, to stockpile footage and service some clients before the um, stage four came in. And uh, and then our contracts that we had in place have actually um, all stayed on, and we're still servicing them. Some some actually more than uh, we were going to be in the first place, just because um, creating content with animation and things is a little bit easier now without uh, having to go to events and wait for events to pop up to shoot. Um, so yeah, I mean for us, um, Porsche Motorsport Australia has been amazing. Uh, we still do all Erebus's content as well. So I mean, there's, that's been you know keeping us flat out, especially with all this back to back racing, and then. Uh, yeah, we've got some really cool shoots lined up when the lockdowns do ease, and um, and it's not really relying on uh, when that happens. They're they're sort of the dates are flexible, and, and yeah, so I'm excited about those things coming up. And um, yeah, I mean the the loyalty from our clients has been been really good. I mean, I think as a small business, it's it um, it definitely doesn't go unappreciated. You know, these things are tough times for a lot of people, and we've been. Um, yeah, really grateful for the relationships we've got, I think, with our clients. And, uh, yeah, so we've had a, a good time adapting to the type of content we're delivering um, and, and changing the way we do things. But, yeah, I've been, been lucky as well that Benny's just killing it for me back in, in Melbourne, so I'm able to focus on my racing and, um, you know, he's been as busy as ever. Yeah, terrific. And I guess for a, uh, a man who likes his content, you're one of very few supercars drivers who doesn't have their own podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I. Uh, it's a flooded I market. It is. I had a blast doing uh, Twitch and all my online streaming, and you know, obviously that was you know an easier thing to do when I was at home and doing the e series. But um, on the road, I haven't done as much of it. Um, and I did. I mean, I talked with Shane for a while. We were going to look at doing a podcast, but with everything that happened, it got pretty hectic. And yeah, so we ended up 
postponing that, I think, and we'll look at doing something maybe next year. But, um, yeah, there's, there's some uh, plenty of podcasts out there. There's actually <laughs> only a couple I've been on. So, um, yeah, obviously when TD asked if I would go on this one for sure, I mean, You're like, oh. TD's, TD's um, done all right for me at Bathurst, so I owe him, <laughs> owe him one. <laughs> but, yeah, no, happy to come on and have a chat. But, yeah. Well, we really appreciate it. That was a blast. So, uh, no, mate, no stress. Fun. We've got Tal and Ben coming up next. Um, back-to-back rounds again, and then on to Bathurst after that. So how are you looking forward to Tail and Bend? And obviously, if you've got such a nice race car to drive, Bathurst is going to be a breeze, mate. You've got so much time to make up <laughs> yeah, right. positions if you don't uh, don't get that qualifying set up right. But you know, a few crucial weekends coming up, um, and you're going to have Dan Fiore as well partner you for the Bathurst 1000. So a good end to the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Tail and Bend is, is obviously is another unknown. We're not sure, same as Townsville, we go there with a clean slate. We have our, our race car, but it's a very different circuit, uh, very different surface as well. And, I mean, I'm a little bummed there's not much degradation there. So, you know, how much we can actually leverage our race pace, excuse me, will we'll be unknown, I guess, until we get there. But, um, yeah, I'm hoping there is some deg and we can, we can use it, but you know, our focus has to be just starting closer to the front of the field. And if we can do that, I think we're going to have a very strong weekend because, you know, the race pace is, is, is good. And I'm sure that will, you know, now we've gone from Darwin to Townsville, two completely different circuits and it was the same. So I would hope and expect that we can back it up there and we just need to start further to the front. But like you said, Bathurst for me, that, that you know, that's a real focus. I always um, put a lot of effort into that race and, you know, I guess no more than others, but it's a lot of my focus, I guess, is trying to find a race car that, you know he's going to be good at the back end of that race, and um, yeah, I feel I feel confident going there. But at the same time, um, I, I remember Scotty Mack saying once, "It's like Christmas morning, and you're not guaranteed a present." It's like rarely the fastest car wins that day as well. So there's just so many things that happen. You got to be, yeah, it's not over till the flag drops. I think that's a day that, yep, we'll turn up hopefully with a fast car, and uh, we have a bit of luck go away, and we can get a result at the end of it. Just one more question before we wrap it up, Scotty, because we know that you're uh, you're trying to have a little relax in between these rounds. What are your expectations, no, I'm mate? Hung, that's all. No, no lying, no lying. I'm slightly hungover. That's all. But, um... <laughs> I didn't want to mention that part of it. Um, what are your expectations in, in the championship? We know that you had a little rough start to the year, uh, but you've come on so strong now. So, have you got top ten in the championship? Top five? You know, maybe a little bit out of question. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd like seventh in the championship as a target, but um, there's still a lot of racing to go, a lot of opportunities. But, yeah, I think that, you know, I want to be in the top ten. I think we're close to it now. Um, Adelaide was – we look at the start of the year, and it was a really tough start um, for us. And obviously with the DNF at Adelaide has hurt our championship a little bit. But, um, you know, if I can come away this year with breaking into the top ten in the championship, that would be awesome. But let's just take it one race at a time, and we'll uh, – it'll – all come together at the end, whatever it is. Well, we look forward to it. A couple of big races to go, including that big one on the mountain. And I reckon if you can pass 50 cars around um, <laughs> Hidden Valley and, and uh, Townsville, then, uh, yeah, passing if you can pass 50 around Bathurst, then uh, you field, get mate. get the uh, victory yeah, speech right. going. Just don't, like, just easy, don't pass the safety car. I think uh, Jamie did <laughs> yeah. that once. Didn't work out well for him. <laughs> we thank you so no, much for, for your time on Parked Up. Scott Pike, Thanks enjoy for chat, your guys. time on the Gold Coast and uh, we'll see you very soon. No worries, appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. And we thank Scott Pye for his time. He seems pretty chilled, really. Mm. Uh, and I think things are going 
pretty good. He's always got high expectations. Uh, and he even spoke about that a little bit as well, which I thought uh, was, was really good to, to hear. You know, he wants and demands and expects mm. the, the, the results. And, you know, that's why, uh, you know, if he finds himself in the right teams um, with the right people and it seems he's on the right path there uh, at Team 18, then, you know, he can be one of the uh, big, big, big stars of our sport. Yeah, he's doing a great job, and I've witnessed it firsthand that you know, when he doesn't like something, he's certainly not uh, worried about telling you or uh, fighting for what he believes in. So I think that might have brought him unstuck in a couple of scenarios in the past, but finding that right environment, which looks like at the moment everything's working really well with Phil Keaty's engineer and also Team 18, they're kicking some really good goals. Just got to unlock that quality speed, but... Uh, uh, top seven in the championship, I think, is is realistic. Another guy, though, we're going to chat to today, Lee Holdsworth. He's having a very good year. A couple of podiums. Mm. A little bit of an inconsistent run lately, but he did a pretty good job on in the last two races at Townsville, finishing uh, in the top seven there. So a good way to go into the break. Let's see what he's up to during the 10-day uh, period before they go to Tail and Bend. Here we go. Press the numbers. And it's a pleasure to welcome Lee Holdsworth onto the Parked Up podcast. Lee, thanks for joining us. G'day, boys. Nice to talk to you. And uh, you just said just off air that you're at Airlie Beach after your uh, quadruple back-to-back-to-back-to-back supercars weekend. It's uh, <laughs> nice to have a little bit of time off there on the sun on the beach. It is, it is. And I've got my family with me too, which is just awesome. They came up to uh, Townsville and... Yeah, it was really cool to have them there, but yeah, four four rounds in a row. Never done that before. It's um not so much tough physically, but it's bloody tough to reset and just keep going again every round, like every week. Um, you sort of don't feel like you're you're ready once the round comes around again. But um, yeah, so ready for a break, mate. I'm ready to relax. Yeah, well, you've got ten days to uh, to chill out before you have to head down to Tail and Bend to, to do it all again for, for some back-to-backs there. Let's just talk about the the past month of supercars racing. There were some reasonable results there, but I guess you'd probably be the first to admit that that it was just inconsistent, I guess. You're uh, a hard man. You're a hard man. You've got bloody <laughs> podiums as SMP. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I look, it, was, it was a bit disappointing. It was a bit below par um, from what, I expected and especially, you know, Cam's had really good pace and we've, um, I would say, lost a little bit of pace, which is pretty quite disappointing. Um, yeah, came out of Sydney and, and felt like we, we really found our feet and um, and we were onto something pretty good. But, you know, as you know, uh, street circuits are, are a different kind of, uh, require a different setup. So somewhere like um, Eastern Creek, you know, that fast-flowing circuit, and then you go to those stop-start stop, um, tracks like Townsville, um, and fairly similar at Darwin it, to, to some degree, the, the style of car you need. So um, coming out of Darwin, we, uh, we were scratching our heads, and then heading to Townsville, um, we sort of reverted back to a car that we were familiar with on the Sunday, the first round, uh, Townsville 1.0 we'll call it mm. and um and then heading into to Townsville 2.0 we um we lost our way a little bit again on the Saturday and then and then came back with a better car on Sunday so 
we haven't been fine tuning it every day, which is what you really need to hone in on on that last you know couple of tenths. Um, but yeah, we we finished uh, finished with a couple of top tens yesterday, um, which wasn't too bad a way to finish the four week four week journey we've had. And um, yeah, but certainly wanted better. I, I, I want to be fighting for top fives every round, not not just for top tens. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll do a bit of soul search and come back stronger for the next round. It's always nice to finish on a little bit of a high, especially when you go into. I mean, it's only a short break, but at least finish, you know, wrap it up with some solid results and maybe some direction on setup or uh, what you need out of the car. Um, obviously, Cam's going really well, yeah. and we've also seen uh, James Courtney adapt, you know, fairly well. Also, hasn't been quite as consistent, but um, you guys obviously you need something different out of the car. That's not as simple as just bolting the setup in and away you go, and suddenly you're going to be just as quick as Cam because. As you know, Cam needs different things to what you need, and you're only fighting for yeah. like one or two tenths, and that's why I think people struggle to sort of uh, uh, to, to realise. You know, you're only trying to find that last little bit. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, if you if you're having to, yeah, if if you do put in another driver's setup, well, you have to then drive like them to get mm. the same out of the car. So when it's not when you're not driving and it's not feeling natural to you, you just can't get the most out of it. So um, you're better off going with something that, that feels a bit better for you um, and that suits your driving style better um, than, than driving with a car that uh, suits another driver like Cam. So, you know, we've, we've reverted a couple of times close to his setup and any time I go near it, 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 does, it just doesn't do me any good. So um, he has a style where he, he, he really pulls it up a lot more on the entry to the corner and, and concentrates more on exit, whereas I like to flow the car a lot more on entry and um, and, and probably not ask so much of it on exit. Um, so it's a, it's a very it's quite a different way of achieving our speed. But, you know, on the weekend, as, as you said, uh, on Sunday, I think we were one-tenth off, off him or, or less than that. It might have been seven-hundredths off him in qualifying. So we, we definitely um, closed the gap to him, but... Um, we're not just trying to close the gap to him, but we're trying to close it on, um, you know, Scotty and, and the Triple Eight boys. And uh, so we've still got a little bit to find. Um, but, yeah, certainly when you when you find a direction and a path, you you just need to keep plugging away at it. And, um, you know, one turn of ride height or uh, one, one hole of roll centre can be all you need just to get that little bit more out of it. Um, it doesn't take much to throw it out of the window. Uh, so tight there, all the way up and down the field. Now, a little bit of news the other day. You're going to be joined at Bathurst by our good mate, Michael Caruso. Now, that, that yeah. ended up pretty well last time you guys uh, partnered up at the Bathurst 1000. You, you must be excited about that. Yeah, I am. There's probably only a couple of guys I could team up with. It's either you or Caruso. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're all the same size. So I'm, I'm happy to have one in the one of the pick there. But... Um, yeah, Caruso is, is an awesome guy, and uh, we've known each other for a, a bloody long time and been good mates for a long time. So, to have him with me in the car, and and to also have a guy that's uh, that that's only just been in the main series, you know, if, um, it's a little over twelve months um, since he's been in it full time. Um, that's going to go a long way, and especially this event, you know, TD with with this one coming up. I'm sure you can back me up on this and saying that there's there's quite a uh, a, a big um, 
probably more pressure than ever on the co-drivers for this one, given that, you know, we've got a shorter championship. So that oh, bank of points is, is going to be huge for the championship. So we're certainly um, coming an in guy. a little bit undercooked. I think of it like a like yeah. cooking a chicken and it literally just gone in the oven. That's how we're <laughs> heading to Bathurst, mate. <laughs> yeah. And you've just got to crank it up as, as high as you can go with the temperature so you can get it ready in time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a bit like that, but yeah. So, you know, you guys um, won't won't have the the laps underneath you, and especially guys that are, are probably um, like a Slady or or someone like that that mm. isn't familiar with the car they're jumping into. It's going to be bloody difficult for them to to jump in and 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 do what um, or exceed their their expectations. So, you know, and and having that pressure on their shoulders also. Um, of of going out there to to help their driver um, fight for the championship or fight for a top five in the championship, you know the the gap between uh, first and second now is very close, and uh, and then the rest of the top ten is all very close. So, you know, if you had a win, if, let's say if Caruso and I could win Bathurst, um, that that could set me up for a top four or five in the championship. Mm. So, um, it's it's going to be happen. huge that one round. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm happy for you to come second, though. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking about... I'd, I'd gladly, gladly spray a bit of champagne at you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're talking about being race fit and how the co-drivers aren't going to be. You've just done four weekends in a row. Do you feel really in tune <laughs> with the car? Are you doing these races easy now? Are you running a cool suit or are you just, you know, uh, doing yeah, an old I school don't... style? <laughs> um, I haven't been running a cool suit up until the races, just to just to harden up a bit. <laughs> but um, no, definitely the the race fitness is is yeah as good as ever. Probably a lot better than ever, to be honest. So um, physically, I'm yeah 100. percent You know, coming coming off the back of four rounds um, today, you know, I feel like I haven't really done anything. Um, so, but mentally, I'm a bit drained. Um, so I think that's the only thing, you know, you just, we just need a break now. Um, but yeah, doing round after round, it certainly improves your in-car, in-car fitness. We've also had a lot of time in between the rounds to, um, to, to, to work on our fitness as well. Not that we probably need to, but, um, a few drivers have been out on the beers, whereas I've been, uh, training pretty hard and, and had a few beers as well. So, um, work hard, play hard. That's the way that. I like to look at it. <laughs> that's that's how it's got to be done. I tell you what, you made me feel really old uh, in a recent broadcast. You'd said that you were one of the eldest statesmen of the series, and I thought, mm-hmm. man, it didn't feel like that long ago. And we were uh, rolling around Formula Ford paddocks, Commodore Cup paddocks, development <laughs> series paddocks. You can't be one of the elder statesmen because it means that we're all we're, we're all getting a bit too cooked here. <laughs> no, no, no. It was only a few years ago, wasn't it? It, uh, I feel like it was anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was fifteen or twenty years ago. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've we've been around a while now. Um, but mate, we're we're still here and we're still performing, aren't we? So <laughs> <laughs> well, you you certainly that's all that matters. <laughs> you certainly you certainly are still performing. Ninth in this championship, it's going pretty good. After a couple of and what I'm sure you'd freely admit is, you know, some frustrating times with Team mm. 18 during, I guess, Charlie's formative years of, of coming up with his own 
his own team. And, you know, there was probably a period there where we all looked at Lee Holdsworth and thought, well, you know, that might be the end of your full-time career and you'd become a co-driver. But, you, you know, Tickford has given you a, um, a rebirth, a, a second lease on life. Um, geez, yeah. I don't want to ask, I don't want to ask, like, um, how long do you have left? Um, but what what is what is your what is the plan? Like how, you know, how long can you see yourself doing this at the full time level? He doesn't want to ask. But yeah, he just I, did. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I I back you up on that call about uh, where I was with with Team Aileen. I I certainly um, you know I knew it wasn't me, but I also know the reality of this sport where if you're not getting results um, and you don't have you know uh, financial backing behind you then it can finish up pretty bloody quick for you. But um, I guess having the belief in myself and, and knowing, you know, that, that if I get another shot uh, in a good car, then um, then I knew, I knew I could get results. And so, yeah, Tickford threw me a bit of a lifeline there and, um, and it's worked out pretty good. But, you know, I think that uh, if as long as I keep continuing to improve uh, and, and get, um, you know, get better and better, with with, uh, with with building a package in this car and getting faster each round, um, I think that you know physically I feel in top shape. I feel as good as I've ever felt. Um, mentally, I feel as good as I've ever as I've ever been. Probably the best I've been mentally for the last ten years in the sport. So um, that goes a long way. You know, having confidence and um, you know you ride, riding that confidence train. Um, you just got to see how long that goes for I probably realize now that this is this is my final team of, of my career um, before I become an, an enduro driver I would like to think that I have um, you know a good four or five years ahead of me in the sport um, but it, it's it's very hard to tell I'll just keep performing at my best and and if my best isn't good enough then um, you know I'll gladly step aside and, and let someone else uh, take the keys because I really just don't want to be a number in the field and um, and I don't want to be in the back half of the field. I want to be running up the pointy end and, and competing for podiums and race wins. And if I don't feel that I can do that, then I'll know it's my time up. Well, you're certainly not doing that, mate, with uh, podiums quite a few this year. Um, now, I just wanted to ask you about Team 18. They're having quite a strong run. When you see Scotty Pye or Mark Winterbottom on your tail, do you just sort of like side shift a little bit to make it a little bit more difficult for a Team 18 car to come past? <laughs> I tell you what, it's pretty sweet when I'm being a Team 18 car. <laughs> you know, I know how much money Charlie's pumped into that team since I left. Um, and uh, and I know he's paying those drivers probably a bit more than what he paid me. So, yeah, it makes me feel pretty good when I come home in front of them knowing that he's got a pretty damn big budget there now <laughs> <laughs> he's not bitter at all <laughs> it would have been it would have been nice to have that budget when i was there i could tell you that much yeah and, and that, the same equipment too <laughs> that's that's a tough thing and like you had touched on before the perception is like you're, you're not performing you're not doing the job but people don't really know the backstory behind it all and um it's really hard no. to stay focused stay confident in your own ability because I mean, I know myself, uh, if I have a bad session or a bad event or make a mistake, you, you really do question yourself straight away. Um, yeah. And I think you're probably the same. You know, you look within yourself and go, geez, what, what am I doing? You know, like surely yeah. it, just, it can't just be the car. But 
um, it, it's quite tricky to have that sort of strong mind, I guess. And, you know, you've, you've come through that now with Tickford um, to give you that sort of second lease in life. You, you're sort of lapping it up and making the most of it for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think I, I think you're, uh, you have to question yourself. That's the first that's the first person you got to question when you're not getting results because if you don't if you're not looking at yourself mm. then yeah you could be looking past something that that is uh, the fundamental problem and um, but it's until you've exhausted all those uh, those those questions about your own ability um, that that then you you realize okay uh, either I'm doing something wrong or I'm not doing something wrong and um, you can soon see um after a while how how you're performing and um but it is very difficult when you don't have a teammate yeah. to to base yourself against and um so you don't really know you know you you might have the worst car in the field or you might have the best car in the field but but who's to say how you're performing when you don't have someone next year mm. and uh and i guess that's the best thing about tickford is you know i know that that cam's doing a, a better job at the moment um him and his engineer have, have got on top of his car and um, and we need to up our game. So, um, but, you know, you can see the data, you can see exactly what he's doing and what the other boys are doing and um, and you can go back out there and improve what you're doing and, and also my engineer can improve what he's doing as well. So that's um, it's actually peace of mind knowing that stuff um, and, and that was probably the most difficult thing about Team 18 and I guess it wasn't till, until Bridie drove the car that, that really put me um, in a good place because he jumped out of the thing and, and said exactly how it was, which was not nice words. Not and um, and it wasn't very complimentary of the car. Um, and and you know I could I could then base myself against uh, you know a guy that had been in the sport the previous year full time and being pretty competitive and knowing that uh, you know you're doing a pretty good job up against him was was a pretty good relief for me. Uh, I just wanted to ask you one last question before we get going. Uh, what's the vibe like at Tickford? Obviously, four very competitive drivers, and we've seen James Courtney come in this year as well and uh, maybe cause a little bit of a, a stir there taking over Will's seat, and that was all a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but is the vibe good, the drivers working together well, and uh, you know, you're getting the most out of that relationship? Yeah, it's actually it's a, it's a buddy good place to be at the moment you know it was really good with will there i i've been on great guns with with will and um and we had a good thing going we had a great four four driver lineup um but i must say james coming into the team has actually it's been good you know we've um it certainly hasn't been um a backward step from where we were with will i think that if anything he slotted in there and and fit in um in the same way that Will did. So we all get on really well. Um, James and I, yeah, we're carrying the Veterans um, veterans Cup in our garage. So um, at the moment, we're leading the Veterans Cup out of the Tickford 1 and Tickford 2, which is cool. <laughs> which we, uh, we seem to have a bit of a thing of that on the weekends and make a bit of a joke of it. But, yeah, he's um, James is... James is getting on well with everyone and, and doing a good job. And uh, I can only see that he's going to get stronger. So, um, yeah, really good vibe in amongst the team. And, and I guess also, you know, us being away together um, for so long has helped James fit in quicker because he's got to know everyone very quickly and, and driving the car, um, you know, four weeks in a row. And 
what have we done now? Six, six or seven rounds in about seven weeks. Um, yeah, I, I think that's helped him progress a lot quicker than you would normally do when you come into another team. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, our, our team have a, a great vibe going. Everyone's getting on really well and it's brought us all closer, I think, being away for this long. Just by nature, motorsport people have to spend a lot of time living together, working together side by side for long periods of time. You've just had to do four weeks of living side by side, living out of suitcases and all that sort of stuff. What uh, filthy habits have some of your contemporaries um, (laughs) got your goat? (laughs) I can say that James loves having a beer. Sometimes the week of the race meeting, he... He likes to have a big one, and he reckons it might help him out a bit on track performance. <laughs> Calm him down. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe takes away the nerves or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I can't. I don't really have anything for you. But I mean, I, I felt like I got to know Chaz pretty well because, like, even the first weekend, I, I walked into the truck and tends to have his his ass like hanging out in front of you as you walk into the truck with this big filthy hairy ass um so i got to know him very quickly but all the other boys they're pretty respectable (laughs) um yeah no i can't i don't have any stories for you nothing that uh nothing that can be said in pg time time zone anyway Um, this is a family podcast of course of course now you actually speaking of podcasts you actually run your own as well yourself and chris stubbs have the Loud Pedal, obviously the second best podcast in Australian motorsport yeah. at the moment. Um, and I saw you tweeted recently that you had like 250 billion um, listens or something. It was, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was, I think it was 250 million, a massive, <laughs> massive number. Yeah, that, um, and, yeah uh, I think it was million, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, said, I said billion. It's, uh, it's, it's a big sport we're dealing with. Um, what, what, uh, you, you've been doing that program, uh, have you enjoyed it and, uh, are you going to keep doing it? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I, I've, I've really enjoyed doing it. Stubbs, he's a great guy to work with and, um, he's a great host and he's very knowledgeable and, um, but also having Fox Motorsports, um, run the show and edit it and produce it. It's pretty cool. And, you know, I guess for me. Uh, it gives me a bit of a foot in the door for maybe later in the career to to step into another role. Um, yeah, but we get some great guests on there and we've had ripper conversations. I think it's got a, a, a completely different angle to, let's say, Caruso's one. Um, I listen to Caruso's and if you're up for a bit of a laugh, that one's a, a bloody good one to listen to. But if you want to hear a bit of an update on on actual on what's actually happening in the world of motorsport, then you go to our one. Oh. Or your one, Thank of you. course. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's um, it's been good fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, no, no, they are fun. We can uh, attest to that. It's uh, nice to to do, you know, something something different and uh, give back to our billions and billions of fans. Um, yeah. So, so you mentioned about post post career. Is the media side something that you feel you'd like to do? Kick me out of a job and um, and uh, and get your hands dirty that way. I would. Yeah. I've I've always been interested in the television side, and you know, if it's not commentary, there'd be um, another angle I, I could take. I don't know. Producing interests me as well, but I guess you probably have to 
have a have a course in that. I'm I reckon. What what do you think about that? What yeah, do I need to do? It's, I don't know. Can you help me out? The uh, the <laughs> the course of the the motorsport uh, motorsport upbringing certainly helps in in that world. So you, uh, <laughs> I thought I could just walk. You know, once I finish my career, I can just take loungy spot or something. Um. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> just just ask. They who knows? Who knows? We might not. We might not ask the fans about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lee, uh, we thank you so much for uh, joining us on this uh, big rival podcast to uh, to your one. But uh, Tony and I definitely thank you for your time, and we look forward to uh, seeing you at a track sometime real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys, and I uh, hope you're coping all right down there in Melbourne. Oh, you don't really care, mate. Go and have another beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a postcard from Ellie Beach, all right? All right, thank you. Thanks. He's a good bloke, Lee. I like him. One of the best. One of the best. He's uh, done really well to reignite his career after the time at uh, Team 18. It looked a little bit uh, doom and gloom there. Mm-hmm. But uh, to get the opportunity back with Tickford, and he's, he's repaying their faith for sure with quite a few podiums this year. A little bit inconsistent recently, as we touched on, but uh, he come away from... Townsville with some strong results on the Sunday in the last uh, event day there. So that uh, holds him in good stead going forward now to Taylor Bend and obviously Bathurst with Michael Caruso. Yeah, that's a dynamic combination, those two. We say he was inconsistent. He's still ninth in the championship. He's well in the fight. And yeah, we sort of, he sort of touched on there a, a couple of really good results mm. at Taylor Bend and a really good result at Bathurst. He could be uh, well up that championship order by by the end of it. So, yeah, exciting it's, time of the year. It's certainly tight in that middle phase there between sort of fourth and maybe twelfth or thirteenth. But uh, you know the two leaders, Scott McLaughlin and Jamie Winker. Oh, they're gone. See you, mate. They're gone. It's between those two to win this year's title. The upper hand is certainly in Scott's favour. It's pr- most likely going to come down to Bathurst if any of those they. The only thing that could possibly change it is if one of those two guys has a real shocker in one or two races at Taylor Bend. And as you'd said before, you don't see many shockers from those guys, but the pressure's on now. And when mm. when uh, when when pressure comes, uh, weird things happen. You either get diamonds or you get rubble. <laughs> it's, uh... I think Bathurst is going to be one of those events that you're going to have to tune into because it's going to be an epic fight at the front there. Um, there's a lot of pressure. There's uh, there's going to be drama. It's going to be almost like Bath- the Bathurst 1000 on steroids because it's going to determine the championship at the end of the day. We're going to have a championship uh, winner at the end of that event and a Bathurst 1000 Peter Brock trophy holder as well. So it's going to be a big old day. Hopefully I get one of them. Won't it be weird if say Jamie wins Bathurst but Scott finishes second and wins the title and yeah. you've got both those guys on the podium collecting the biggest prize in the sport but then the guy who didn't win also <laughs> also gets to celebrate it. You so. know what? That'll be classic. Let's say Scott wins a championship and loses Bathurst. He'll be like, yeah, the championship means more <laughs> to me. Jamie will say the reverse. Yeah, Bathurst. I'd rather give away the championship and win Bathurst. We're going to hear it all, mate. Yeah, yeah. There'll be be a bit going on. But that's what that race brings. It's the greatest race that we have. It's the reason why we go racing Mm. because of that race. It's the reason why the sponsors hang around all year because they just want to be involved 
in that one weekend in October. So uh, it sort of can't come soon enough yeah. because the sooner that comes means the sooner we're getting out of this uh, shite fight that we've got ourselves into down here in Melbourne. Absolutely. And at the moment, I'm trying to go through some of the travel scenarios, uh, going to Bathurst, having to quarantine as well. I'm literally only about two weeks away from having to pack my bags and go and do my quarantine in, in some dirty hotel and uh, have my only myself for company for two weeks just so I can get myself ready for, for the Bathurst 1000. I think there's six or seven of us from Victoria that have to go and do that out, out of co-drivers. So, Will it be like uh, where you have to be in your own hotel room or are they going to set up like an <laughs> AFL-style bubble and oh, we'll see photos, photos of you guys at the poolside and at the bar and uh, <laughs> just running amok? Yeah, I reckon... Uh, well, I don't think actually Garth Town would be much fun for two weeks. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know yet. Uh, they actually haven't given as many... Uh, any options it's just like this is what we we propose potentially and we'll see what happens so we're only like i said we're only two weeks away so for me like you'd want to be get those plans locked down real soon but i don't know if they really know just yet so anyway stay tuned you'll be the last to find out that's right no doubt i've actually already packed my race gear everything's ready to go (laughs) so if you know if i get the call that i have to go the next day i've just got to pack my overnight bag and Away I go. See you later. We can See still do podcasts though. It's fine. Yeah, that's right. No, no, we can do that from anywhere. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Episode twenty-five of Parked Up in the Can. One last thing before we go. The one thing that we haven't seen in twenty twenty is revolving liveries. That's been the one thing that we uh, have become accustomed to over the past. Yeah, 10 years of supercars with teams that change liveries or change numbers or change sponsors. Every car has remained pretty much exactly the same since we first saw You know one that actually comes to mind is Todd Hazelwood. He's changed his livery a few times. He had the brute on the side and then he had the black duck. Black duck seat covers, I think they were. It actually looks really good. It reminds me of the Blanchard Patronus car. Very, very similar. Really cool looking car. Um Nick Perkett hasn't changed his too much. No. Which no. is unusual because generally he changes every, almost yep. every weekend. But Rick Kelly is running a competition to design his Castrol livery, which I actually really like. Yeah. Uh, but he's changing that enter? up to Bathurst. Let's Absolutely. Enter. Let's get the crayons out. Let's do a parked up entry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Sue from Castrol won't mind if we take off those, uh, those Castrol stickers and parked put up on a couple of parked yep. ups down there. No worries. Um, okay, well, uh, look, having worked at Kelly's for a while, they were famous for changing liveries and mm. retro schemes and all of those things. That's because you were working for them and anything to get some publicity. There were, we had to fight pretty hard yeah. to get some publicity <laughs> during some of those Nissan times. Anyway, that's it, Tony. Episode 25, our quarter century Woo. of podcasts are in the can we thank everyone for listening we thank race fuels for being our great major sponsor and motorsportwebsites.com.au for helping us with our pretty new website and we'll see you next week you will see you then bud